It is episode 258 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me for this special Hugh Jackman-centric edition of the podcast as I remove my headphones here because I'm not playing any more music for at least the live portion of this show. Hopefully you guys, um, I don't know exactly what everyone's work situation is, and feel free to you know, chime in about anything Hugh Jackman-centric or just life in general. You know, I'm keeping it kind of loose on the podcast this week. I know here in Florida, we've started our phase one of reopening the state. I'm still working from home. Um, for my personal aspect, I don't feel quite safe going back to the office on a regular basis yet. I know I, I have to go out a couple of times a week to do uh, video shoots and whatnot, but you know, I, I figure until we absolutely have to, I figure why not just just work from home. I I, I think you know I I've personally proven that I can work from home, and if anything, it I feel like I've been a little bit more productive. But um, yeah, that, that's a that's a story for another time. But um, yeah, so this is episode two fifty eight of the podcast, and as I've mentioned, you know, over the past couple of weeks occasionally that um, the, the plans for this podcast kind of changed uh, when this whole pandemic happened because I had this whole plan in place for um, baseball season when it would be starting. Well, f first of all, for those who might be listening for the first time, uh, every week on this podcast, I discuss uh, some aspect of filmmaking, whether it's acting, directing, um, I review movies, I interview filmmakers, Anything to do with film, we discuss on this podcast. But um, yeah, so I had a plan in place to um, essentially have some episodes in the can, and I wouldn't be doing really any live shows until August or September, probably even September. But yeah, that um, that changed when the whole pandemic happened, because now it's like I have the time to actually do stuff. And Fun stuff like what we're going to talk about tonight, but I, I did want to get into this story real quick. Um, I've had a couple of people ask me my thoughts on this, and that's the whole AMC uh, Universal controversy. Essentially, uh, what it is, from what I understand, is that uh, AMC Entertainment, which is the world's largest movie theater chain, announced that it's no longer going to play any movies from Universal Pictures after comments made by... Um, NBC Universal's CEO saying that uh, they plan to release future movies directly to homes on demand. Now, I don't know if that means all of their movies, if it means just some of them, because essentially what happened was they made Trolls World Tour immediately available, and it earned nearly $100 million in three weeks, which is more than what uh, Trolls made in a five-month theatrical release back in 2016. So, I mean, I understand, and that this is kind of where we're at right now, is that, you know, a lot of theater, like, theaters are shut down, and I, I will say this for AMC, they may not survive the pandemic, so they may not be able to complain about this, you know, in, in the next couple of months, because I don't see movie theaters opening back up until August, at the absolute earliest, if I'm being completely honest. Like, all these movies keep getting pushed back. I know that... Uh, Tenant and I think Mulan are scheduled for July releases, but I would not be shocked if those got pushed back to later on in the year. And I know things are slowly starting to open up now, but 
even you know going to the store today there weren't a lot of people there and this is at like 5:15 or 5:30 when it's you know prime time store shopping time because people are just getting off of work and they want to you know get something to cook for the for the night or they need to get groceries for the week people are still very reluctant to go out and even you know like restaurants here i think are open to 25% capacity and there's still not a lot of people going out and i i think that's actually smart you know it's and plus from a business standpoint i don't know how much sense it makes to open up um 25% capacity when you still have to pay like if you're a restaurant you have to pay cooks you have to pay wait staff you know d- does the money you bring in really cover those costs and food costs too so I, I it, things still aren't. I mean, they're never going to be normal again. I, I've said this the other day to a couple of friends of mine. I, I think this is like a nine eleven level of when this thing is over, things are going to be completely different. You know, with nine eleven, airport security and security in general was never the same after nine eleven happened, and I think that's going to be the case with this. You know, uh, I think people are going to be a lot more cautious about doing things and about going out for a while and i think that's gonna really happen until there's a vaccine developed and which isn't going to be till next year so i don't know i mean and it's it's still the same with sports you know we don't know when you know the nfl is still planning on having their regular season now they don't start until september but you know what if what if they can't you know, we don't know about baseball, and that directly affects me because of my job. But anyway, what kind of getting back to, I'm getting sidetracked here about this whole story, but I, I think really what it is is that the theater industry is going to change. I think you're still going to have your big-budget blockbusters like a Marvel movie, like a Star Wars movie. We'll throw Fast and Furious on there, too. You know, like big-budget blockbusters. We'll still see some of those. But I think we're going to see less of them. I think we're going to see a lot of smaller budget movies. And I also think we're going to see more independently owned theaters that can essentially play whatever they want. And if they want to play, you know, independent movies, like I'll use Uncut Gems and The Lighthouse as examples of those. And I'll throw Jojo Rabbit in there as well. You know, If they want to play those, then they can. You know, I would be perfectly okay if there were a theater here in town that sat 25 to 30 people and it was a small indie movie. Like, I, I would absolutely be for that. So I think that's really where the the industry is going as far as theaters go. I mean, I I don't know if AMC and Regal are going to survive the pandemic just because essentially there's going to be no summer movie season. I mean, I, I think we all kind of know that because Black Widow was supposed to come out last week and just everything is getting pushed back to either the end of this year or next year. Like say if theaters open back up in August or September, it's going to be slammed as far as just you're going to have big movies coming out week after week after week in order to to uh, counteract that or to make up for the lack of summer blockbusters or summer releases because that's usually when the biggest movies of the year come out. But even then, are people going to feel comfortable 
jamming out a theater. I mean, I think when theaters open back up, there obviously will be some type of a a seating restriction. So say like you can only fill it to like 50% capacity and people have to sit, you know, two to three seats apart. I, I think, you know, things like that could happen. So that that's kind of my thoughts on the whole um, the whole AMC Universal thing. It, it's it's kind of it's all a mess right now. Everything's a mess. Oh, Carlos Longoria is in the chat. Good evening, sir. I uh, actually sent him. So I, I do have to tell this quick story before uh, we get into really what I'm here to talk about uh, for, as far as the main subject of the podcast. But um, so I've been doing a lot more non-baseball content, specifically video, because with baseball not going on right now. So uh, the the owner of the Blue Wahoos, the team I work for, um, is... Um, his name's Quint Studer, and he owns other companies around Pensacola. One of them is what's called the Bodacious Family of Shops, which includes um, an olive oil store, a um, like a cafe, and a coffee shop, and also a gourmet kitchen. And before the pandemic happened, they would host uh, cooking classes every week. Well, with things being shut down and everything going virtual, they decided to go virtual cooking classes. So I've been filming several of those and it's been a lot of fun because in a way it's kind of me expanding my skill set as far as doing videos instead of just doing uh, strictly baseball stuff. Wade Vatican's in the chat as well. Hello, Wade. Thank you for watching. And I I sent, um, we have a a Nerd Cave Retro Discord chat that um, for those who uh, watch and listen to Nerd Cave Retro, we'll talk more details about that on uh, tomorrow's live show, or it's already happened if you're listening to the audio version of this. But, um, yeah, I sent a... Uh, oh, and my mother's watching too. Hello. Um, so the the thing that the chef made today was uh, like a thick filet mignon topped with caramelized onions and gorgonzola cheese, and this thing was amazing. What sucked is that I had a quesadilla for lunch like an hour before I got to got to the Bodacia shops. And I think we, we wrapped the, the shoot around 2.30 or so, and he gave me one of the, um, one of the, the fillets to eat. And it also came with, like, potatoes and carrots as well. But, man, that thing was so freaking good, and it was cooked perfectly too. Like, I, when it comes to steaks, I'm – Medium rare, sometimes even leaning more on the rare side of things. But this thing was cooked perfectly. And then for Cinco de Mayo, I had um, a street corn, a street taco, and um, a margarita. So happy Cinco de Mayo to uh, everyone who's watching live. Happy belated Cinco de Mayo to those who are listening on the download. But so the thing, as I mentioned earlier, with kind of figuring out content uh, for this show. I watched this movie last week, and it was actually recommended to me uh, by my friend Jack, and it's called Bad Education. And he's like, you got to watch this movie. Hugh Jackman is fantastic in it, because he knows that I'm a Hugh Jackman fanboy. And we're going to get to that here in a bit. But essentially what it's about is uh, Hugh Jackman plays... And I don't have the characters' names in front of me, but he plays the superintendent of a school in the Northeast. 
And this is all based on a true story. And he embezzles something like over $4 million from the school system. And it's not just him, but it's one of his assistants, too, that is doing it. And she ends up kind of being the, we'll call her the fall gal instead of the fall guy for the whole thing. But just things unravel as the movie progresses. And it, it's, it's actually, it starts out a bit slow, but it looks great. It's shot extremely well. Hugh Jackman is phenomenal as he is in pretty much everything that I've seen him in. The thing about Hugh Jackman, and I guess this is where we'll we'll kind of get into the actual like discussion on Hugh Jackman himself, because I, I was trying to think of how I wanted to do this show, because a lot of my inner circle of friends know that really since I was in high school and saw the original X-Men movies, I was I was a big fan of the portrayal of Wolverine, and I think that was strictly because of Hugh Jackman, and that made me more a fan of Hugh Jackman, the actor. And people were like, oh, you've got a man crush on Hugh Jackman. I was like, yeah, kind of. I mean, seems like a charming guy. I mean, why not? But uh, no, the thing with, with the Wolverine, and we're going to kind of be bouncing all over the place here on this discussion, but the thing with Wolverine, a lot of people were upset with Hugh Jackman's casting as Wolverine because, for one, he was virtually an unknown. I think X-Men was like his third movie that he had ever done because when he when he was in school he took a drama class I think his last year of college and he had mentioned that and this is all through research I mean I've never met him directly but I I, I will take the the article's word on this but he essentially said that he had more fun in this drama class than he did any you know years of university like all years of university combined were not as fun as this drama class he did. And that was when he discovered that acting was what he wanted to do. And the interesting thing about him, and I I agree with him in this sense, is that when he started studying acting and started taking more classes and really looked at doing it for a living, he always felt like the idiot of the class because he always felt like he was so far behind and everyone else seemed to you know take to it so naturally and he had to to work at it you know almost twice as hard but he he said that actually helped him throughout his career because in his mind he has to really try to be the best actor for the job and in a way i think you know that that kind of that drive can really help you when when it comes to that let's see uh some Comments in the chat, Wade, burger steaks, I'm a medium guy. There's nothing wrong with medium. Like, medium I can eat. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not knocking that. And Wade says Les Mis, yeah. I, well, I'm going to get into Hugh's, uh, Hugh Jackman's um, theater career here in a second. And Carlos Longoria said, I only saw a part of Kate and Leopold. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. But... I knew that Hugh Jackman had a background in theater, and a lot of actors do. And and, and chatting with actors throughout this podcast that have done both and did theater first, they actually said that theater helped them to prepare for acting on screen. It's different, but you got to think with theater, you're you're out there without a safety net. Everything's live. Like if you screw up, then the audience 
chances are going to know it. Like if you screw up your lines you know, when you're shooting a film, you cut and you do another take and you keep doing it until it's right. But I, I think with um, with him, the interesting the interesting thing about him is that I've seen several interviews with him. And he seems like one of the most charming people you would ever meet in your entire life. Like, he just seems like a genuinely good person. That's part of the reasons why I'm a fan of his. But if you look at a lot of the roles that he's played, a lot of them have a, like, certain edge to them. Like, you think Wolverine, like, Wolverine's not really a nice guy. Like, he's not the... You know, the guy who's going to walk down the street singing Oklahoma, which Hugh Jackman did do Oklahoma. I watched a clip of it earlier today. I, he, it's crazy to think how good of a singing voice that guy has. And you you think of, like, the prestige, and you think of, um, you know, like, bad education that I mentioned before. Like, a lot of the roles that he's played that are prevalent, he he has that certain type of an edge. Like, he's... Not a villain. Well, he's played villains before, but a lot of times he's kind of the anti-hero that has that kind of an edge to them. And I remember uh, hearing interviews with him about X-Men, you know, because Wolverine doesn't have a ton of dialogue, especially in that first movie. He actually studied Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry to see, you know, how he did it with, you know, having to really tell the story through your emotions and through your eyes and I remember years and years ago, one of the acting instructors that I interviewed on this podcast, this was like within the first six months of me doing this show, he taught a class called Acting Through Your Eyes. And he's, he said, you know, it's like that old saying, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And he told a lot of that story through his facial expressions and through his eyes. And I think, you know, he he won people over with that because... Yeah, we haven't really seen the X-Men around since, you know, Apocalypse or whatever that last... Or no, it was um, Dark Phoenix. That movie was so bad, I'm still trying to purge it from my brain. But um, I I don't know who or if they'll be able to properly replace that character. That was the the one regret of, you know, the the X-Men, Fantastic Four all coming under the Disney umbrella is that it happened when it did and not several years earlier. Because you could just imagine this. you know, All you Marvel fans and fans of like the Marvel comics and movies, imagine this. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine versus the Hulk. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine interacting with Robert Downey Jr., with Star-Lord, with Captain America, all these iconic characters that we know from the MCU. A... Hugh Jackman Wolverine versus Hulk fight would be absolutely sick. You know, I I would absolutely love to see that. But I, I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here. But um, and again, if you guys want to contribute to anything as far as you know, some of your favorite Hugh Jackman roles, um, if you want to throw in favorite Wolverine moments, you can do that as well. Because I mean, mine obviously is the entire film Logan. It's one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's one of the best films, period. Because Logan, much like The Dark Knight, transcended its genre of really being more than a comic book film. Now, those two are different genres. Dark Knight's more of a 
a crime drama, whereas Logan had a lot of like Western and like the last outlaw type of feel to it. But they, they both succeeded in doing that. And with Logan, I think a big part of it was due to Hugh Jackman's performance. And, you know, they announced going into it that it was going to be his last time playing Wolverine. And I, I remember I was disappointed when I first heard that because I was still holding out hope that the X-Men would become a part of the MCU. But after seeing the movie, and I, I remember this like it was yesterday, when the credits roll and you start hearing Johnny Cash's When the Man Comes Around, I, I thought to myself, yeah, the, this this was the right way to go out. Like, now I don't, I don't want to see him play... Um, um, Wolverine again, if I'm being honest. Yeah, Carlos says, Logan is the best portrayal of the character, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, oh, Lucas Sasser is watching. Good evening, Luke. Still hoping against hope for a Jackman Reynolds team up for Wolverine Deadpool. It was kind of clever how they used the whole archive footage from the X-Men Origins Wolverine uh, I think it was in Deadpool two, uh, two for the um, the post credits. That that was hilarious. I mean, that was just like that little little tease of the two together. Even though they technically weren't, they kind of were in a way. But even a cameo, like for Deadpool three, if Hugh Jackman showed up just for like five seconds as Wolverine, that would make my day. Because I, and I'm I'm not like I like the X Men, but I'm not a huge X Men fan. But Hugh Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine made me a fan of that character. And he was really the highlight throughout that entire series. And like I said, I don't know who they're going to get to replace Hugh Jackman. If they'll be able to do it at all. You know, I, I think if they, if they do something similar to what they did with the Avengers, I think they should bring the X-Men in slowly. And maybe introduce them in like a separate... Marvel movie and then do your X-Men solo film or ensemble film. But I wouldn't even in introduce Wolverine then either. I would do a I would center the movie around like Cyclops, Storm, Jean Grey, like the the OG X-Men, keep it kind of small and then for the sequel you can build it around the introduction of Wolverine. That's what I would do, but that that's just my personal opinion. But um yeah, I mean, Wolverine is easily his most notable role. And, I mean, he played that role for 17 years, if you count the original X-Men all the way up to Logan. Because X-Men came out in 2000, Logan came out 2017. So, to play a character for 20 years is is an accomplishment. And it's an absolute accomplishment. Not, I, I feel bad for whoever does replace him, because that that's some... That's some big shoes to fill. But I, I kind of want to divert a little bit to um, to Hugh Jackman's theater career, because that, that's where he became most famous, and that's kind of where everyone was like, this guy's playing Wolverine? Or for me, it was the opposite. Like, Wolverine dances and sings? I found this clip just a little while ago, and I read about it um, earlier this week when I was doing research for this show. But um, Hugh Jackman did a um, a stage version of Beauty and the Beast, and he played Gaston. 
And if you if you're like, I'm sure Luke would probably know this because I, I sent this in our group chat before I started the show. But if you were in a way to just take like some of my fandoms and just put them all together, casting Hugh Jackman as Gaston is perfect. Like I I would, and, and his performance was great. And I know he did a little bit of that, and we'll, this kind of segues into The Greatest Showman, because The Greatest Showman came out the same year that Logan did. Logan came out, I think, in March, and Greatest Showman came out later on in the year. So this was a lot of people's first glimpse into that side of Hugh Jackman as the actor, as far as being, you know, the the dancing and the singing. And even, you know, his character in The Greatest Showman had its flaws too, because when I was thinking about how I wanted to do this show, I didn't want to really go through, like, start with Hugh Jackman's career and then go in, like, chronological order as far as, like, okay, well, he started in Australia and then he became a theater actor and then he moved, or then he, you know, was cast as Wolverine and then did A, B, C, and D. You know, that I felt like that would have been kind of boring. But, um... And when I was thinking about doing it, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking about Hugh Jackman, the actor himself. I don't think he's quite on that level of, to me, there's like that upper ear echelon of actors. I would put like Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, uh, George Clooney, those in that category, where it's almost like when you're watching them act, you're not really watching them for the character you're watching them because, oh, George Clooney's in this movie, or Tom Cruise is in this movie, or Brad Pitt's in this movie. I, I would kind of put Leo DiCaprio on that list, too, even though, I, th- I mean, I think Leo is a tremendous actor, but I feel like his name carries a movie. Like, you put his name on the marquee, people are going to go see it because of Leo, not because of the character. I don't know that I would put Hugh Jackman on that same level. And I use, you know, Tom Hanks as an example. Tom Hanks, and I, and I call him jokingly America's dad, because to me that's what he is, because it's almost like every character he plays is, and I'm not knocking him for this, because I love Tom Hanks, but a lot of his characters have the, the decent human uh, quality about them. And um, it's, I don't want to say it's repetitive, but he found the formula that works for him. And I, I think it's great. You know, I mean, I, I thought he was incredible in Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood when he played Mr. Rogers. But with Hugh Jackman, I think the appealing thing about him is that he has such a variety of what he can do and the type of role he can play. You know, he can play... You know, the even though that character had its flaws, but the, the family man in The Greatest Showman, you have, you know, arguably the most badass X-Men of all, Wolverine, played by Hugh Jackman. You have a guy who's training robots how to box in real steel. Then you have the theater side of Hugh Jackman. You have the, the aristocratic magician in The Prestige. And... Um, you know, or the corrupt uh, superintendent in bad education. It's such a wide variety, and, and that's what I respect the most about actors, especially actors like this who take on specific 
varieties of roles. Because I feel like in a way, as an actor, it would challenge you to to do something different, to to try out, you know, like a a happy go lucky, you know, type of role and then do something a little bit darker. You know, and, and that's what I love about, you know, like picking the brain of an actor is is really interesting. And also, you know, hearing their backstory and what they use in their characters like of themselves in order to to bring those characters to life because I can say this from experience you when you write a script you can script it out a certain way but sometimes the actors will do things that are completely different than what you had planned and sometimes it works better than what you had thought you know I used the Parker syndrome for example uh, Jesse Hartsog who played the Zach character he added a certain quirkiness and a little bit of a darkness to that character and I really really enjoyed it and then you know I remember the first uh, rehearsal that we did as far as you know with him and and Brittany doing their the brother sister scenes together and just watching like the way his eyes would move and the way that you know he would like hold his hands and rub his hands together like this Little little things like that, and, and I I've, I would be willing to bet that Hugh Jackman is probably that uh, as well, because you know when you have an actor who takes their role seriously, it's going to make the project better. And, and there are so many uh, Hugh Jackman roles that I love. I mean, Hugh Jackman, or not Hugh Jackman, geez, um, Wolverine would be um, would probably be number one. Greatest Showman would probably be my number two. And then um, Bad Education would be up there. I mean, I know I just saw that movie, but man, it was freaking good. If you like good acting and you like good drama, it's an HBO movie, so you have to have the HBO subscription uh, in order to watch it. But man, it was um, it's a pretty it's a pretty powerful movie. I know if if Luke's still watching, I know he had mentioned that he wanted to see it. You got to check it out. I think you'll love it. Uh, got the burps for some reason. I shouldn't have had dinner right before I did the podcast. I, I don't know about you guys, but like I, I have a horrible habit of eating late. Like I'll eat dinner and then 20 minutes later I'll go to bed and then I feel like crap the next morning. I don't know if it has to do with dinner, but I know I've, I've tried to make it a point of um, of eating sooner uh, in the evening, like around like 6.30 or 7, but um yeah, and as far as the the future uh, of of Hugh Jackman and what I'd like to see him do, I mean, he's one of those actors, and I'm I'm kind of throwing him in that Leo, Brad Pitt category, but whatever he's in, I will give it a I will give it a shot just because I think he brings a lot of range to whatever character he plays. And that's honestly why I'm a big fan of his, you know, all the, the man crush and, you know, my friends have sent me on my birthday in the past. They'll send me a gif of Hugh Jackman coming out of the water shirtless saying happy birthday, Derek, you know, just to, to get a good laugh. But, uh, it's because I truly think he is a great actor. And from what I've seen, I think he seems like a very good human being. And you got to think, you know, he's been married for like over 20 years now. And when it comes to Hollywood couples, that's that's unheard of. And I, I didn't actually know this until 
um, I was doing research, but he actually um, met his wife, and I think her name was, uh, yeah, her name was Deborah. He actually met her on his first major professional job, which was a uh, drama series called uh, Coralie. Hopefully I'm, I'm saying that right. But, um, yeah, and they've been together ever since. And I want to say, yeah, that had to have been the mid-90s because X-Men was 2000 and his first movie role was in, like, the, the late 90s, which I, I did watch. Uh, and I, it's my understanding that this is his first movie that he ever did. It's called um, Erskineville Kings. Hopefully I'm reading that right. Erskineville Kings. Uh, essentially, like he's he's one of the main characters, but he's not the lead. He plays the brother of this guy, and this whole the whole story takes place, and it was shot in Australia. And it's interesting because it's one of the few movies that you actually hear him use his natural Australian accent. He plays the brother of this guy who, in a way, ran away from home because they had an abusive dad. And there, they had to have been, Hugh Jackman had to have been, let's see, he's in his early 50s now, so he would have been late 20s, early 30s when this thing came out. So his younger brother essentially ran away to northern Australia and stayed away for a few years. Well, their dad dies, and he comes back for the funeral, and it's kind of that classic, you know, reconciling with family issues and everything because their mom had left them when they were both young. And Hugh Jackman's character, whose I think name was Wace, I, I want to say that might be right, was um, essentially left to take care of their dad. So it's, it's, it's a classic, you know, it, it seems like it was someone's or someone's like um one of their first movies i don't know if i don't know who directed it off the top of my head but i feel like this had to have been like either their first movie or one of their first movies because it has that kind of look to it it's not a bad movie uh it's a little slow in parts but uh, i i actually enjoyed it but i mean you could definitely tell that hugh jackman acting wise was was the standout of this movie and then who would know that you know just a couple of short years later he would play Wolverine much to some people's dismay but um but yeah he did it but all in all I mean that's kind of why I'm a Hugh Jackman fan like it's more than just the you know the the shirtless pics and the the man crush and all that type of stuff it's because I truly think he is a very good actor, and I hope, I really hope, and I've got my fingers crossed, and I don't know what that role will be for, but I really want him to win an Oscar at some point. I don't know what for, but I hope he does, because I think he deserves it. I truly think he's one of the best actors in Hollywood, because when I think of actors, I think of those who can really do anything. Hugh Jackman can be serious, he can be funny. He can sing, he can dance, he can play a villain, he can play a hero. He can do it all, in my opinion. And there's some great great videos of him on YouTube uh, from the Tony Awards, like of him, you know, dancing with Neil Patrick Harris. And seeing the, there, and there was the year he hosted the Oscars, of course, but I think, you know, seeing that side of him, was kind of what made me even more of a fan because still at that point, I only knew him 
from the Wolverine. But since then, I've watched much more of his stuff. And, and I will say this. If I, were to able, if I were able to interview both him and Kevin Smith, I would probably retire from doing this show because it would not get any higher for me. Like he's, when I first made this podcast, and I'm kind of geeking out a little bit about this, but that's okay. When I first started this podcast, I made a list of 10 people that I would want to interview. I did get to do one of those last year when I got to interview Jim Ross, but um, Hugh Jackman and um, Kevin Smith are all in the top five. Just because I'd love to hear, I love to hear, I always like hearing everyone's story of how they got to where they are, but I feel like his is much more fascinating because he started in theater, he was so good at it, and then he transitioned over to acting and then became, in my opinion, really good at that. And then for a period he went back to doing theater because I know he was doing his one-man show for a while that unfortunately I didn't get to go to. I wonder if he's going to do that again when the the pandemic's lifted because i i would totally be down for seeing that there was like um it was like a world tour and i want to say he was in like tampa and atlanta last year but it just didn't work out because i had baseball games to work on uh, on all those nights but all in all let's see uh wade says much like my opinion of mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I mean, Mark Wahlberg I would put up there, too. I haven't watched Mark Wahlberg in anything in, jeez, I don't know how long. But, uh, no, Mark, I, I like I like Mark Wahlberg. I wish that he would, um, I wish he would own up to the Marky Mark thing because it's fantastic. I, I, I mean, to me, I, I get you'd want to be taken seriously as an actor, but. You know, maybe as he gets a little bit older, he'll be like, yeah, you know what? That was kind of fun. Also, happy Cinco de Mayo to uh, to everyone watching uh, who are watching live. It's funny because really I didn't celebrate Cinco de Mayo up until I started working for the Blue Wahoos. And we would have some, we've had a lot of games on Cinco de Mayo. And we were going to have one this year, but. You know, now it's the kind of typical, like, yeah, I'll make, you know, I made um, street tacos and street corn uh, for dinner, and both of those were were quite good. But, let's see, oh yeah, Wade, feel it, feel it, feel the vibrations. I'd love to hear Hugh Jackman do a cover of that. I I think YouTube would explode if that happened, in my opinion. But um, no, all in all, I mean, I, I just kind of wanted to do something a little bit different. I, I've never done a a show dedicated around a single person's career. Like I've done it for a single movie and a single series, but not an actor. And that that's kind of it. You know, I, I, I do plan on possibly doing more of these um, about who I have no idea, because as I've said before, the the content of this podcast is kind of in flux right now. I am going to get back to uh, doing interviews. I've actually got one planned uh, for this week and one maybe for next week. So within the next week or so, we'll be kind of going back to the review slash interview uh, format. But I, I kind of wanted to take a couple of weeks just to to do some live shows because as I've said before, you know, doing the live shows on my own are a, a challenge for me because it's it's tough to carry on a conversation by yourself 
it's it's fun having you know someone here to bounce ideas off of you know whether that's an interview or a review or something like that but i it's been a fun challenge and i i've really enjoyed the the live aspect and i know it's funny that originally i was going to just do one live show a month and now i'm doing it pretty much every week just because i i love doing it it's it's a lot of fun and i enjoy you know the interaction with this on the morning show over on Nerd Cave Retro, the the fan the fan interaction is honestly my favorite part of of the podcast, and that's that's kind of why I'm doing these these live shows. But um, yeah, I think that's where I'm gonna wrap up for this week's show. I know it was a little bit of a shorter one, but um, this was fun. It was fun, kind of going through um, Hugh Jackman's career, and I guess kind of airing my reasons publicly why I'm a Hugh Jackman fan. Uh, if there's any actors that you guys think that, you know, would be good to highlight, definitely let me know. I'd be more than happy to take suggestions. I, I am going to start looking into um, maybe once a month bringing someone on to do a discussion like this, kind of like I did with Thomas Carter Rochester when we were talking about Jumanji and Cybercon maybe bringing somebody on just to to have a fun movie review. And I, I know that Jason and I, Jason Robbins, my co-host over at Nerd Cave Retro, we've talked about doing this because we've been going through this phase where we've both recently watched the original Ninja Turtles movie. And I know we're going to do a, a look back on that sometime very soon because it's the 30-year anniversary of the movie. And if you've if you haven't watched it in a long time, Definitely do because it absolutely holds up. Everything from the look of it, I personally enjoy the soundtrack to it a lot. The soundtrack is dated, like the soundtrack is very early '90s, but it it fits. What what more can you say? So I know that's coming down the pipeline pretty soon. I want to do a discussion on the original Back to the Future at some point because it is the 35 year anniversary of of that movie. So. Definitely be doing that. I wanted to do a Ghostbusters discussion leading up to Afterlife, but that's gotten pushed back to next year, so that one will have to um, to wait a bit. But um, yeah, some little little things I have in mind, you know, coming down the pipeline. So uh, if you guys want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. If you want to follow the podcast uh, and subscribe. You can check it out on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And if you don't mind, leave a review. The more reviews I get, uh, the more I become visible to the podcasting public. And thank you, as always, to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can find all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's edition of The Derek Diamond Experience. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.